you would take your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read the first eight verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who will bring, who will both who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory, as if thou hast not received it? Now ye are fool, now ye are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. I would to God you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Title of the message this morning, Taking Account of Ourselves. Taking Account of Ourselves. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. For the opportunity and privilege you have to open your precious word. Thank you, Father, for uh, that we have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto we do well that we take heed. So, Father, I pray it would give heed to your word this morning. We'll allow the Spirit of God, who is the author of this book, to challenge us and encourage us, bring conviction where conviction is needed. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, one of the problems in our society today, you know, that, that that we're seeing that has been on the increase in the last 30, 40, 50 years is what they call it a self-esteem problem. But yet if you interview people, they seem to think pretty highly of themselves. And this was a problem at Corinth. There were some who were thinking more highly of men and of themselves than they ought. And Paul counseled them, okay, hey, we need to take an account of ourselves. And so this morning we want to take an account of ourselves. The word, to, you know, the, the idea here of take account or let a man so account of us means to consider, to deem, or to reckon us as, really it's to judge. It's good that once in a while we just set back and examine ourselves. Where are we anyway? Who we really are. Uh, he'll, he'll say similar things to the Corinthians in other places. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15, 2, he tells them, by which also you are saved, talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the gospel, if you keep in memory what I preached on you, unless you bleed in vain. So he's again stirring them up to take account of themselves. 2 Corinthians 13, the last chapter of 2 Corinthians, verse 5, again he says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. 
So we are to take account of ourselves. And I want to notice several things here this morning. Uh, I guess I have four and some subpoints, But anyway, that we need to take account of ourselves. First of all, take account of ourselves as ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice in verse 1, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So we're to take account of ourselves as we as ministers or reckon ourselves or judge ourselves as ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word minister is anyone who aids another in any work. And the, the term here, the Greek word, is really referring to an under rower. An under rower. Now, if you know anything about customs and manners of Bible times and the Roman world, you'll know that an under-rower is not a desired position. You know, it derives its meaning from the military life of the Roman Empire, notably the warships. And the war of the, uh, the, the galleys of the Roman warships, which were told uh, were, you know, those ships had a low deck just a foot or so above the water, and there were seats for rowers uh, who were slaves. Usually they were, they were slaves, who for the most part chained to their seats. Now, they may have been educated men. They were, they were impressed into servitude. Many of them educated people because they become captives who have been taken uh, captive by the Roman armies. And then in a slightly raised deck, there was the, the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the captain or the director of the rowers. And it was he who gave orders to the rowers. And they had to instantly obey his orders because this was a warship. You didn't ask your questions, do I want to or do I have to? Because if you didn't, if you, didn't you, know, you would find yourself being shark baked uh, or beaten. And so they had to take orders from him. They, couldn't depend on, they, they didn't depend on the winds because they, uh, you know, to, to maneuver their ship because you know, the winds were uncertain. And, and so they used these oarsmen. And, and so uh, it was the duty of the oarsmen to, to instantly obey the word of the captain. And so as ministers of Christ, we must be directed by him. We are commanded by him. We are to take our orders, our instructions from him. We to, are to obey and please him. You know, we're not ministers for people. You see, a lot, of, a lot of preachers have become ministers of people. In other words, their focus is people, foremost and preeminently, and not the Lord Jesus Christ. We're ministers of Christ, not ministers of people. We're here to take orders from Christ, not give in to what people want. We're not to have a church that seeks to give the people what they want. You know, that's, that's the idea today. You, you create a church that's seeker-friendly. So you pass out questionnaires. What would you like in a church? And so people tell you what they want in the church, and then you create a church that gives them what they want. That's the that's the modern evangelical philosophy of building churches. No, we're not, to, we're not ministers of people. This is a, we're to be ministers of Christ. We're to take orders from him. 
We see examples of this in the Bible. Joshua, we heard about it in Sunday school class this morning. Joshua 5, 13, 14. Joshua, is, he was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and looked. And there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell at his face. And did worship him, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And it was the Lord who told Joshua how to conquer Jericho. You know, I really believe that Joshua is look, out there looking at Jericho, and, and you know, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I really believe that Joshua is looking at Jericho and thinking, How are we going to conquer that place? I mean, it's got two walls. The gates are all shut. There's no way in. It's an impregnable fortress. How are we going to conquer that place? And while he's out there, you know, maybe he's praying and asking the Lord, you know, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to conquer this, this city? And it's, all of a sudden he sees this man standing over here with a sword in his hand. And it's the captain. You know, in, uh, you see, we are here to serve the Lord. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.9, speaking to the church at Thessalonica, Paul said this, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had on you, how ye turned from God to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, we, we're here as ministers of Christ to serve God. Yes, we are to have a ministry to people, but we're here as ministers of Christ. Of Christ. You're either serving God or you're serving idols. What or who are you living for? That is your God. When a church or a pastors create a church, quote unquote, that minister or that favors or gives favor to people and not pleases the Lord, the people have become their God. They're no longer ministers of Christ, they're ministers of people. And they take their dictates and their commands from people. Now Paul said, we're, minister, we're to be ministers. We're to take account of ourselves or judge ourselves as ministers of Christ. Secondly, we're to take account of ourselves as stewards of the mysteries of God. Notice again verses 1 and 2. It says, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, a steward, of course, is a manager a household manager, or a superintendent. And so we have been given a responsibility to manage or to superintend uh, over the mysteries of God. Now we talked about some of those mysteries on Wednesday night. You know, there's a lot of things the world does not understand. We understand from the Word of God. But, and, but Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 4.10, As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards... Of the manifold grace of God. So we are to manifest God's grace to a lost world. Grace is, is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, 
sweetness, charm, lovingness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. You know, we're to manifest all these things and we're to be stewards of these things before a lost, a dying world. Matthew 5.16 says, let your, light now sh- let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, our conduct, our demeanor, our attitudes, our work ethic should be such that the world is drawn to our purpose or our philosophy of life. Why do you do what you do? And you know what? That brings opportunities to explain the mystery. Why do you do what you do? You know, sometimes the world will look at you and say, you know, you're just kind of different. I mean, not in a bad way. You know, you, you, uh, you have a good work ethic. You're honest. You're, uh, I mean, you, 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 you have a good attitude. Uh, why are you different? And it brings opportunities to explain the mystery. The word mystery means, as the idea of those entrusted with the announcement of God's secret purposes. To men. See, the world doesn't understand what God's purpose is for them. They don't even know that God has a purpose for them. They don't even really know why they're here. They just think they're here to live life, to make as much money as possible, to leave as much to their kids as possible, and to die. That's all they have to live for. But see, we've got a purpose that's way beyond that. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, Paul talked to Timothy about this purpose. He said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Timothy, God has given you a purpose for life. It's a a holy purpose. It was given you in Christ before the world began. Colossians 1, 26 and 27 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations now is made manifest to the saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, we have a a higher and enduring purpose. It's not just this life. It is eternal. It's eternal. You know, we have a hope. Peter talks about First Peter chapter 1, a hope, an eternal inheritance that cannot be taken away from us, that's incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. Hebrews 12, 28 describes a kingdom that cannot be moved. In other words, it can't be taken away from us. It does not change. The kingdom of God, we're part of it. And so we have this, we, we, we have the opportunity to explain 
our purpose in life is to live and to glorify God in everything that we do. And to minister to people with their need of salvation, of their need of salvation. You know, Peter said in 1 Timothy 3.15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give every, an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we have an opportunity to explain our ministry, our purpose as under rowers. We're just under rowers. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, in verses 18 and 19, Paul said, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us a ministry of reconciliation. So this ministry that God has given us is a ministry of reconciliation. So reconciling men and women to God, that's, a, that's our ministry, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So while we do minister to people, it is a ministry for the Lord. And it's a treasure that we have in an earthen vessel. But I want you to know, the power is of God, not of man, not of us. And so, we are to take account as ministers and as stewards. But I want you to notice a third thing here he says we need to take account of. As not considering the world's judgment. Notice verses 3 and 4. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, that he that judgeth me is the Lord. Now, so we're to take account of ourselves, or judge, as, as to not, we're not to consider the world's judgment. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, the message that we should be giving the world on a daily basis is, the world is not my standard that I live by. The world does not set the standard which I live by. You know, the world says sodomy, adultery, fornication, abortion, cursing, lying, pride, laziness, drunkenness, Gluttony, anger, nakedness, covetous, bad attitude, complaining, being bipolar, having ADD, wasting your money, it's all okay. It's all okay. But God calls it sin. You see, Paul says that, notice he says here, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. The world doesn't even compare its judgment of what I have to compare myself to when I compare myself to God. So I don't need to consider the world's judgment. I shouldn't consider it. You know, a lot of the, the compromise is the fruit of 
people being worried about, pastors being worried about, church leadership being worried about, what do people think? What do people think of me? By the way, those are real thoughts. I've got 28 people staring at me this morning. You know, and you might think, well, I just don't care. Well, you know, that's not true. My wife had to tell me I had to come this morning. No, she didn't. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, of course, people, you know, we are, we are human beings just like everybody else. So there's always this thing, what are they going to think? But you know what? Paul said we ought not to really consider it. It's a very small thing. In other words, I put very little stock in what you think about me. I am not to weigh that as a minister or steward of the gospel of Christ. Notice notice what he says here. He says, should I be judged of man's judgment? And then he says this, I judge not mine own self. I'm not even a good judge of myself. Jeremiah said it this way, the heart of man is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Now, do you trust your own heart to judge yourself? If you're honest? In other words, I don't set my own standard of conduct. I do not determine what is an offense to God and what is acceptable to God. If I did that, I'd be my own God. That's what atheism is and that's what paganism is. And humanism. It is a, it is a religion. And this is where our society is today. And this is where our world has gone wrong. We have decided we know what is best. I mean, we've had almost 70 years of Benjamin Spock's child training, training philosophy. That's why we have Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all these organizations now that have no respect for any authority. And we even have them in government. They have no respect for authority or for the office they hold. I mean, did you ever hear such the most vulgar things from elected officials? They have no dignity. We have psychiatrists that label sinful behavior of mental illness, you know, bipolar, mood disorders, anger management disorder. And of course, ADD. My dad always said in ADD, his child didn't have enough to do. He had other ways to take care of that, too. And, uh, but anyway, you know, we have all these problems. And what we're, what we're doing is we're calling God, what God calls sinful behavior by some other name and making it acceptable in our society. No, we're not to measure ourselves by the world or even among ourselves. Paul said in, in Corinthians uh, later on, he says, that they that measure themselves by themselves are not wise. You know, I am not the authority. That's what Paul's saying. I am not the authority. I'm not the one whom you measure yourself by. And neither is Apollos. And neither is Cephas. God is. Verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, And then shall every man have praise of 
God. You know, God is the judge, and he will bring everything to life, even the purposes, that the word counsels there has the idea of um, uh, purposes, hidden things of darkness, those secret or obscure, our thoughts or our thinking processes. All of, us has a, all of us have thinking processes, and sometimes we have thinking processes whereby we justify certain conduct, don't we not? And you know what? God's going to weigh all those things. He's going to judge all those things. And, and even our purposes and our motives will be judged because God knows all things. And man may misjudge you. He may question your motives. But man's judgment is a very small don't be concerned about man's judgment, is what Paul said. Paul said, I'm not really all that concerned about your judgment of me. I consider it very, very small. No, we, can, we should not concern ourselves with what the world thinks, but what the Lord thinks of us. Verse 4 again, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So, we need to count that. We don't consider the Lord's judgment. Don't consider the Lord's judgment. It doesn't really matter what the world thinks about you. What does God think about you? That's what matters. But I want you to notice the fourth thing. We need to take account or examine or judge as to thinking right about ourselves. We need to think rightly about ourselves. Now, follow me here in verses 6 and 7, and I want to notice two things. First of all, we're not supposed to, we, are, we are not to put confidence in ourselves. Notice verse 6. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us... Notice, notice what Paul says about himself and Paul, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one and against another. He says, I have a figure transferred to myself and a pause. You know, what am I, what I, in other words, what I'm saying here is, uh, considering me and my Paulus, this is true of everyone. As an example, Apollos and I, this is true of everyone. We ought not to think of ourselves more than we, what is written. In other words, what the scriptures say. So don't think more of yourself than what the scriptures say. Lest you be puffed up. And we are to consider what the scriptures say about us as true. You know, as Christians that we are saved, we all start out the same place. Dead in trespasses and sins. So don't puff out your chest as some, some mighty or spiritual giant that thinks you are better than other men, than others are. And that is exactly what the Corinthians were doing here. They were exalting some men over others and thereby puffing themselves up saying that they were spiritual because they followed certain men. Paul said, you're puffed up. Because you know what? If you compare yourself to a man, you can look pretty good. Depends on who you compare yourself to. 
But if you compare yourself to God, we don't fare so well, do we? Then we really see ourselves as we really are. In reality, they were following men. They were putting men above other men and thereby exalting their own manly or worldly judgment. And Paul reminds them, look, we all had to be taught. Notice verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory, as if thou hast not received it? We all had to be taught. No matter what it is, we had to be taught. So we need to think rightly. We are not to put confidence in ourselves. Secondly, we do need to embrace what God has given us in Christ. Now, like there's a, there's a negative and a positive to a battery, and both are required to run a vehicle or to run anything that, they're, that, that they operate. I mean, if you, I have a cordless mic on, and the battery I have has a negative side and a positive side. That's what makes it work. Now, don't ask me to explain all that to you. I just know it does. Because it's working. Uh, uh, you know, if you, want, if you want more information, ask Andrew or H- Howard. You know, maybe they could explain it more to you. Uh, I don't know if they can or not. But anyway, uh, maybe they can. Uh, but no, the, and so we see the positive side. We also need to embrace or think rightly of ourselves of what God has given us in Christ. Notice verse 8. Now ye are full. Now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. I would to God ye did reign, and that we also might reign with you. The word fool here means satisfied with peace and assurance of the blessings of a relationship with God. Now you know, now you're satisfied knowing that you have a relationship with your Creator, your God, and have a purpose in life. And have the peace of God. That passeth understanding. See, we need to embrace what God... He says, now you are full. Now you're rich. The word rich here speaks of the the blessings that God has given us, the spiritual possessions. You know, think about it. He says also that you're rich. You have reigned as kings. I would to God you did reign. The word reign here, as the idea, I've obtained royal power. I've become a king. Have come to reign. And if we understand, we really grasp what we have in Christ, we know and understand that we're going to rule and reign with him. We have a position in his kingdom. But I believe the point Paul's making here in verse 8 is this. To really grasp this truth, of what you have in Christ, a position as a priest and a king, to know the peace that passes on, the assurance that God gives through relation to them, to really grasp this truth requires we follow the Lord and not men. Now let me ask you something. I've... After going through the first three chapters of First Corinthians, would you say this church was at rest? Were they resting in the promises of God? Were they rejoicing in the promises of God? 
Were they satisfied in the promises of God? In the blessings that God had given them? No! Because they were feuding over who was following who. And they missed what God had for them. Because they had their eyes on either Paul, Apollos, or Cephas. See, their eyes were this way and not this way. You know, if all you see in a church is this preacher, you're in trouble. Or the Sunday school teacher, you're in trouble. You're missing out on the best that God has for you. If all the children, and many of them, the children of Israel missed out because all they saw was Moses. And they couldn't see beyond Moses. And Moses kept saying, you know, you need to believe, you need to trust the Lord. Who am I? You see, you will not enjoy the blessings of resting in your standing with the Lord until you make the Lord preeminent in your life. It's about the Lord. It's not about Paul, and it's not about Apollos, and it's not about Cephas. They had made idols out of Paul and Apollos, who were just under-rowers. They were just ministers. They were seeking security in something or someone they could see, which brought Division, contention, instead of rest, has security in Christ. And Paul would remind them when he writes his second epistle in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so he's telling them here, look, you need to have... Take account of us. You need to understand who we really are. We are not the Lord. We are not your judge. We're not your final judge. We are not the ones that set the standard of righteousness in God's church. We're just under rowers. We're not the ones that gave the commandments. We didn't write the manual, so to speak. So don't look at me as if you're going to follow me and not the Lord. You see, We need to make Christ preeminent in our life. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9, Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And so Paul says we need to take account of ourselves. Take account of ourselves. We're to be ministers. You know, he's given us, us, a ministry of reconciliation. It is two people 
but not, it is not of the people. It's of the Lord. And we're to be faithful managers of that which he, the mysteries, the word of God, the gospel of Christ. We're to be faithful in giving out what he has given us. And not alter it to meet the whims or desires of man. We're not to consider the world's judgment. It's a very small thing. We need to think right about ourselves and measure ourselves by the word of God in his word. So how are you this morning? Have you been taking account of yourself as a minister of Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God? Or are you allowing the world to dictate or manipulate your thinking into following their pernicious ways? Don't let the world standard change your, your way or your thinking. Don't follow it. The Lord is to be our judge.